solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texas podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am John Hickman, and of course, I'm joined by none other than Cody Davis. And the weekend rules the news. And what do I mean by that? Well, everything we're going to talk about today, for the most part, has come about from Friday and Saturday's news regarding the Houston Texans. And Cody, Friday, we had an opportunity to hear from Nick Casario and Let's dive into that press conference. And in terms of the, the future when it comes to Nick Casario and uh, whether that be next season or the next coach or the coaching staff, Nick Casario has been very non-committal, non-committal, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in that area, right? And case in point, Nick Casario made no comment to retaining Lovey Smith. But he did say he had a good, he did a good job this year, and he proved the defense. Nick Casario on whether or not Davis Mills will be the 2022 starter. Did not comment once again, but he said hmm. he made a lot of progress and strides. Even earlier in December, when Nick Casario was asked about David Cully's future, he was still very noncommittal, stating he's not going to make any comment or what's going to happen until after the season, which is what he did in regards to, you know, letting go of David Cutley. Nick Casario said there's no specific timetable for hiring a new head coach. And then about 30 minutes from that press conference, <laughs> Nick Casario said a lot of things that did not correlate together. Did a great job, as he always does in those press conferences, of just kind of talking around answers. And this is what I think Houston fans and Houston media have a problem with. Is that Patriot non-committal, that Patriot Nick Casario way where you guys are not paying me, this owner is paying me, this franchise is paying me, and so I have to report to them. I necessarily don't have to report to the reporters, if you will. (laughs) And I think that's why a lot of people have an issue with Nick Casario whenever these press conferences are over with because it does not seem like you ever get from space one to space two. After you're finished talking with him, it seems like you're still at space one trying to figure out what the hell is the next steps for the Houston Texans. And I think that's the biggest issue right now when it comes to trust. And for the longest, we've talked about trust with the fans. But I do think there is a trust factor with the media in regards to being able to do their jobs with reporting for the Houston Texans. Um, and we'll talk about the coaches over the weekend and how that you know is effective. But out of that Nick Casario press conference, Cody, what was one of the things or some things that you were able to take away, if any? Well, let me say this. I was there in person, and I had to actually go back and listen to Nick Casario's press conference at least four different times in order to make sure that I'm understanding what he is trying to say because john like you just mentioned the new england patriots way is the fact that you say a very lot and give very little and that's exactly what nick casario does and look 
I understand it to a certain extent. As a reporter, I don't like it because we was trying to bring all the facts. We were trying to figure out what in the hell is going on with this organization, especially with this being the first press conference where the first press conference you did after firing David Cully after one season, we were trying to figure out what is the plan. And he really didn't give us much. But at the same time, I understand it because it's all strategy based. And if you want to make sure that you stay on the heels of not only your organization, but also from your contemporaries as well, you got to be a little, you got to be a little quiet with a lot of these press conferences. And there's one thing I learned about these press conferences, unless it's one-on-one and off the record, nine times out of 10, they're not telling the truth. So, but when I take a look at Nick Casario's press conference, there was a couple things I wanted to take away from this. And John, you actually hinted to the Davis Mills and the Lovey Smith aspect of things. If that's all right with you, I actually want to save that for tomorrow's show. But I think most importantly, there's three different ways I'm looking at Nick Casario's press conference. First and foremost, this is an organization, this is a general manager that is going to be hell-bent on picking a coach that they feel comfortable with. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint, Nick Casario says something very interesting in his press conference when asked about, you know, what is the criteria that you look for in the head coach? Nick Casario gave a lot of runarounds, but he actually used the example of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, we all know because he's from the New England Patriots, that's an organization that bumped heads for a long time in the AFC. And Nick Casario said he loved and admired the way the New England Patriots, I mean, I'm sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers took a chance on Mike Tomlin, a guy who was only a a defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings for one season. They took a chance on him. He was a very young head coach, and he ended up being one of the most successful coaches of all times. I think, where, where is he now? Like 15, 16 consecutive seasons of having a winning record, leading that team to the playoffs. We all know that's a Super Bowl winning coach. And I found that very telling because when you take a look at the guys who were, the guys who are, who are rumored to be getting an interview with the Texans or you you take a look at two of the candidates that they already had interviewed. Most of those people that are are projected to be in the interview process with the Houston Texans, they kind of fall into that Mike Tomlin situation where you're taking the guy who on the surface, he looks like he's inexperienced, but they actually want to give that person an opportunity to be the, be the head coach and actually kind of mold mold that person into the head coach that they want him to be. And two, and most importantly, um, the second part I got from Nick Casario's press conference is, look, John, you might have an issue with this, but depending on the coach, I don't think he's going to give up his duties of being on the on, on the headset throughout the game. That is actually something I want to talk about too. <laughs> and right? look, he actually that question actually came from our colleague Kim Davis. We actually had her here on the show a couple of weeks ago, and Nick Casario said his philosophy as a general manager is to serve and do right by the people that he is working with. However, he said it is hard for him to let go of that duties because he he's been on the headset in New England for about sixteen years so John when I when I take that and when I and when I go back to the example that he said about Mike Tomlin in the Pittsburgh Steelers I kind of get the sense of if it's not Brian Flores a guy who is already an established head coach um of course we know during his time with the Miami Dolphins if it's not Brian Flores he's going to get a first-time head coach he's going to hire 
give them an opportunity and kind of mold them into the head coach that they want him to be. And two, if it's not Brian Flores, he's not going to give up his duty on being on the headset in the press box. And three, most importantly, this is not really an important factor of the Nick Casario press conference, but I did like the fact how he did have an opportunity to give David Cully his flowers by saying, look, we had a very hard 2021 doing OTAs training camp and throughout the season. And David Cully did a very good job keeping the chemistry, the camaraderie inside the locker room, keeping that team together. And he said that this organization is much better a year later versus that where they were this time last year. And he gave a big kudos and a big shout out to David Cully. And I wanted to bring that up because that is something that I've been talking about a lot here on Locked On Texans. And I like the fact that Nick Casario actually took time to give David Cully his flowers despite his firing. Yeah, I do want to mention something before we move on, and that is to your point, actually a couple of things, but to your point of uh, the first-time head coach and how it's going to be difficult for him to move on from the headset, and that was a hot topic here in the city of Houston. You know, my response to that is, well, wouldn't that put you kind of in the same situation you were in at the end of the season? And I don't know how many times can you, as a general manager, kind of risk putting your head coach in a position where you guys are conflicting in philosophies. And speaking of philosophies, Nick Casario spoke about the philosophical differences, citing on firing David Culley. He mentioned that there were some things that we did as a team that were okay. There were other things that need to be better, which is what helped him lead towards firing David Culley. And I will mention this, no matter who you bring in next, whether it's Flores, Mayo, who we just saw over the weekend, why he may not should be the candidate here in Houston after the, the ass whooping Buffalo Bills put on the Patriots, and that hurt my heart, right? Uh, whoever you bring in, you're going to have to take that short leash and kind of throw it away because those philosophical differences of last year, you put that together, right? And that's those are some of the things that I was able to walk away with from that interview, from their press conference, rather, where I looked at Casario, who mentioned that they are in a better spot, not necessarily because of what David Cully did, but let's be honest, they are in a better spot draft capital-wise. They are a bit in a better spot cap space and free agency, what they may be able to do in cap space and moving forward with that. So they are in a better spot overall as a franchise, not necessarily because of the job David Cully did. And I think that was just a way to kind of ease the pain outside of that $22 million that David Cully's going to make over the course of the next three years. But Nick Casario has to understand that a lot of these issues were created by your doing. And if you're going to have success, in my opinion, moving forward, that leash that you had on David Cully, you cannot have that same leash on the next head coach. That's my opinion. But the head coach conversation will be interesting. Brian Flores, as mentioned, was interviewed over the weekend along with some other candidates. Cannot wait to discuss that. I also want to tell you guys about Bill Barr. We know it's the New Year's, and we know that that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in your plan. Bill Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You want to eat healthy, but it gets boring. I get it. I like week three. You may be thinking to yourself, this ain't worth it, man. Where's the chocolate? Where's the chocolate? Bill Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Most of the Bill Bars contain... 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that 
to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of those nasty net carbs, something that you do not want, okay? So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Bill Bar has amazing selections of flavor, coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies, and cream. I eat it because you know that I'm a fiend. And many more. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked On Texans. And one thing I have to give a shout out to for Nick Casario and the Texans, they did not waste any time no interviewing time. candidates for their vacant head funny. coaching position. Like, it happened so fast. One guy, yes. David Cully and Brian Flores, was kind of walking in and walking out at the same time, <laughs> doing a Spider Man meme. Like, looking at you, you looking at me, you looking at each other. Somebody's oh, man. going. You know, be the yeah, next man. head coach or something, but absolutely. <laughs> Didn't waste no time. Didn't waste no time. John, as you just alluded to, Friday afternoon, they actually interviewed Brian Flores, who sits at the top of their head coaching vacancy for the candidates. And then on Saturday, they interviewed Joe Lombardi, who is the offensive coordinator for Los Angeles Chargers, and Hans Ward, which was a very kind of head-scratching head scratching. move. Yeah. I, as of right now, What's he's that? the assistant coach over at FMU, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I, I'm not going to get too much into the Hans Ward situation. But, you know, John, when I take a look at Lombardi, when I take a look at Ward, and, of course, we know probably sometime this week, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened today to have an opportunity to interview um, Gerard Mayo. This is why I believe that if they do not get their hands on Brian Flores, who is an established head coach, nine times out of ten, they're going to go with a first-year head coach. And – I'm going to let you take the ham as, as as to the Brian Flores aspect of things. But, John, I, I can't lie to you guys. I am a little bit intrigued by the Lombardi interview because when I take a look at Joe Lombardi, I, I take a look at a guy who is an offensive juggernaut. Uh, first and foremost, you know, like I mentioned, he spent the 2021 season as the offensive coordinator for Los, for the Los Angeles Chargers, and he actually helped the Chargers become one of the most explosive offensive team in the league this past season. And the only reason why they're not in the playoffs is because their defense had had some major issues, especially at stopping the run, and that's part of the reason why the Texans were able to run over a buck fifty on them. But we're not here to talk about the Chargers defense. But you know, when you take a look at the Chargers offense, Lombardi did a good job making improvements to that team. Last year during the 2020 season, that was a team that averaged 21 points per game. This season under Lombardi with his first season as the offensive coordinator, they shot up to 28 points per game, which was top five in the league. And they ended the season averaging 405 yards per game. That's a big difference all across the board. And another reason why I like Lombardi this is a guy who was the quarterback coach for the New Orleans Saints over the last five to six seasons, and he also had an opportunity to work with Drew Brees. And there were multiple times Drew Brees sung the praises of Lombardi because we all knew probably around the 2016-2017 season, Drew started showing his age a little bit, but he was to continue his elite play and he gave a lot of credit to Lombardi. John, when I take a look at him, when I take a look at Lombardi, I, like I mentioned, I see a coach who's an offensive-minded type of coach, and I'm looking at a team who averaged, what, 14 to 16 points per game in 2021. 
You bring Lombardi in, that is going to improve this team's offense. Not only that, if Davis Mills is the starting quarterback for 2022, pairing him with Lombardi, a guy who has worked with Drew Brees, and also continuing the relationship and the camaraderie that he has with Pep Hamilton, if Pep Hamilton stays on the board, that's going to give him not one, but two very good proven quarterback coach that can actually benefit the play of Davis Mills. And speaking of Pep Hamilton, if they do go with a first-time head coach, especially for somebody like Lombardi, I can definitely see Hamilton and Lovey Smith staying on this board, and that is something I want to see. I do not want to see the Texans part ways with Pep Hamilton, and especially Lovey Smith, who has done wonders for this defense. Now, once again, I understand it. It all depends on whether or not that head coach want those two guys on their team but if you bring in Lombardi I do not see why not he would not keep um Lovey Smith as the defensive coordinator for this team and once again John outside of Brian Flores is likely that the Texans new head coach is going to be a first year head coach but what I do want to say and I agree with you they need to make sure that they loosen up that leash that they had on David Cully however because it seems like it's going to be hard for Nick Casario to let go of, I hate to use this terminology, but the power that he had, I don't see that happening at least for the first season. In terms of Brian Flores, here's the thing about the connection between Brian Flores and Nick Casario. We immediately think what? The Patriot connection. Yes, sir. Right? But it goes a little bit deeper than that. Nick Casario is a very versatile guy because not only has he been a scout and exec, but he's also he has been a coach in the NFL. When we look at Brian Flores, he is also a part of that scout. He was a scout for the New England Patriots before he became a coach. And so when we look at the versatility between those two, being able to not only get it done with X's and O's, but being able to find players, hidden gems, and the New England Patriots were, you know, widely known for finding hidden gems and making them into great players for that franchise. Mm -hmm. I think that works hand in hand and why Brian Flores would be the number one candidate for uh, Nick Casario to come in and, and be the head coach. And I also think that there's more of a trust and more respect factor between those two because they've worked together before in the early 2000s between the year 2004 and 2006 on that scouting department, in a scouting department with one another, and then as coaches as well. So I think Brian Flores, as of right now, will be coach number one on their list. Is Brian Flores my necessary top pick? I don't think I necessarily have a top pick for Houston right now because I'm just very curious to see the area that they're going to go in, and then from there I'll make my judgments. But when I look at what's out there, Lombardi – I'm not 100% sure, and I'm sold on Lombardi. That's just me personally. And I think he'd be a decent candidate, but, again, we'd have to see. And I'm only looking at who we're dealing with at GM, and that's Nick Casario. Um, and another thing, I, I wanted to mention this because we're talking about the coaches. I know you guys saw the reports. I saw him, Cody saw him. Everybody saw the reports that Brian Flores and uh, Deshaun Watson had been in communication <laughs> Trying to, you know, coerce each other and, you know, hey, mm -hmm. if you go here, I'm going here. If you, if you stay, I'm coming to whatever the case is. And I, I think a lot of these reports have some truth to them, 
that that report necessarily came off as it was more so of a, a week and a half to two weeks basis where they were in frequent uh, communication with one another, trying to figure out what the next move is. I think that there may have been a conversation between the two, maybe here and there, but not as frequent as that report made it seem like. But it would be funny if all of a sudden Deshaun's just <laughs> don't says, start hey, it. Don't start it. You remember the conspiracy? But I will Stop. say this: I think <laughs> I, I think that's more so why I had an issue with Nick Casario not backing mm-hmm. Davis Mills. Yeah. Right. Because oh wow, I never thought about it like that till you right, said that. Under the pressure that that young man went through in year one. I think he he had a pretty decent season. The second best rookie season out of all of the rookies. And he ended that year off by saying, you know, he won two out of the last three games. More importantly than winning, he mentioned how he wanted to stay in Houston, get mm-hmm. better, get these reps in with a lot of these younger guys. And now we're seeing all of these reports on whether or not Deshaun may want to come back if Brian Flores comes in or whatever that is. Uh, I, I, I think that was one of those moments where if I'm Nick Casario, at least for the time being, and I'm okay with Nick Casario choosing to be selective when and when not in terms of I'll let you guys know this, but I won't let you guys know this because not only if the media hears it, then other teams in the league hears it and they can give a one up or a one down for whatever the Houston Texans are trying to do. But I do think in that moment, you back your rookie quarterback, uh, you back David Cully for the job that he did through the adversity and as much as non-committal he has been through his short tenure here in Houston as general manager. I think that was a moment where you could have just stepped in and silver line and said, hey, no, we're going to roll with Davis Mills, at least for the foreseeable future. Well, what I, what I would want to say, I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking up for Nick Casario, but it, it kind of gives them – how can I put this? It it, it kind of gives the Texans and himself a little bit more options because he did the same thing about the number three pick. I mean, they asked him, you know, what is, your, what, what is your goals for the number three pick? And, you know, he said, look, we can keep it or we can ship it around and see. And look, I think they're going to end up keeping that pick, but because they're not being committed to one particular aspect. And it's also um, a, a, a way that he can actually get himself in trouble as well. So, I don't want to look too much into it, especially about the Davis Mills standpoint. And like I mentioned, we could talk more about that on tomorrow. But I just think that's giving him a lot more flexibility because, you know, between the head coaching, you know, things that's going on with Deshaun Watson, this is an organization that has so many possibilities to see how are we going to revamp and reshape this organization in hopes of having a successful rebuild. And, John, like I keep mentioning the emergence of Davis Mills is part of the reason why the Texans have so many options to choose from. Because, hey, let's say if Deshaun Watson do come back, I think Davis Mills gave gave other teams a solid, uh, uh, some, some solid film and some tapes to where you can say, okay, let's see what we can get from Davis. Of course, it's not going to be a lot, but maybe you can get a pick from that young guy. Uh, in my rebuttal to that, a player compared to a pick, I think it's two different things. You can't back a pick like you can back a player already on your roster. That is true. At least for the next couple of years. And so to get back to Brian Flores before we move on and get to the YouTube comments. You don't want to talk about Hans Ward? <laughs> to get back to Brian Flores before we move on and talk about those, get to the YouTube comments. I, I definitely think in his 
short tenure in Miami. I think with the pool of coaches that's out there, is he the best? And, and you know, I mentioned this on um, on YouTube or on Twitter. A buddy of mine mentioned, shout out to my boy Coop, he mentioned that, you know, Doug Peterson is still out there. And because Doug Peterson was so out of sight, out of mind for me, I forgot about him only because I wasn't seeing him, right? He wasn't in recent news for a bad decision or getting fired. But I think Doug Peterson would be a good candidate out there. And a lot of people say Jim Caldwell, and I point immediately to what he did in Detroit. I just look at who we have at general manager. And if I'm looking at the trend, then the trend would be other than those other two candidates. So if we're going with what we're thinking that Nick Casario is going to roll with, then no doubt I think Brian Flores is the most proven head coach that they should bring in for the Houston Texans. Coming up, YouTube comments. But first, BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of the sports betting wagering action this year for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. And you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the episodes throughout the week as we continue covering the Houston Texans. Now make your second listen to Locked On Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and it's available on all major platforms. Guys, I... Always hold it down for you. That was a shot at my co-host, by the way. <laughs> I just wanted to talk to you guys. You guys talked to us. You guys have been a tremendous this past month when it came to covering this team and giving your feedback about the Houston Texans. And so this is one of my, if not my favorite segment of the show, talking to the Texan fans, viewers of the show, listeners out there. Number one. David Cully, gone. That breaking news that the Houston Texans fired David Cully on that podcast. You guys got them YouTube comments, and I think the one we need to address first, go yo Falcon. Texans are clueless on what they are doing. Worst organization in football. So, I cannot let that just slide, and I'll tell you why. Uh, The Detroit Lions are out there. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars had more turmoil, more drama, more. You could have put Jacksonville Jaguars on TNT because that's where the drama starts, and it would have <laughs> fitted and blended in perfectly. That's how bad I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, were this season. We're only looking at the Houston Texans right now because we are very frustrated. And I think that the frustration comes from this one reason, which everybody has a, a, a a valid reason to feel this way, and that's will this be a revolving door with Nick Casario? If things don't turn out how he envisions it for one year, will he continue to move on from a player, from a coach, from a coaching staff member or what? But I don't think the Houston Texans are the worst franchise mm-hmm. organization in football. I don't. Yeah. I disagree with that. I, I do think that the... we still have an issue with our 
owner, though, yes. Yeah, you still got the Cleveland Browns and the Miami Dolphins out there as well. The Miami Dolphins. Steven Ross. Those two. Steven those two Ross. organization. Oh, my gosh. In regards to Lovey Smith, this was the episode where should the Houston Texans consider Lovey Smith as head coach? That was a conversation that uh, Cody really thought was very important to have, and I definitely agreed. A lot of people in those comments were thinking, no, we don't move on from him as D.C. Maybe we should, but a lot of people don't want to see David. I'm not David Cully. Lovey Smith to be moved on from from the organization, mm-hmm. but uh, Nathan Cano, Lovey should at least get some consideration for the head coaching job. And I think that if Lovey woke up one morning and said, "Hey, I think I should at least get an interview," he should. He should should consider that, Cody. Yeah, look, like I mentioned in that show, he has a winning record, and he actually is a coach that he knows what he's doing, and. Part of the reason why I don't want to see Lovey Smith go, you have to take a look at the, you, you have to take a look at how good he coached this defense. 25 takeaways on the season. Yes, I understand they gave up, I think, an average of 24 points per game, but majority of that was because your offense could not sustain drives at all. And when you take a look at the fact that he went from 25 takeaways to nine, they didn't even hit double digits in 2020. Nine. That is saying a lot. And John, like I mentioned in that show, I know it's hard. I know it's a long shot. And look, he probably don't even want to be a head coach. He probably just good with being your DC. But the only way for a fact that I know he's going to be here for 2022 is if A, Whatever head coach they 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 bring in, especially if the head coach is Brian Flores, and I do believe if it is Flores, he will be walking out that door only because those two guys coach completely different types of defensive schemes. Even though, by the way, if I think if they're able to come together, I think that defense is going to be unstoppable. But if the head coach want him, he's going to be here. Or two, maybe Nick Casario can work his little magic and keep Oh, Lovey Smith around, but I just well, want him to at least Houston have a consideration. Kept, right. Remember how Houston kept Romeo Cornell in, a, in an advisory role, whether it was when Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator here, mm-hmm. Anthony Weaver before that, you know, happened how it happened and Anthony Weaver left and Mike Vrabel, I mean, not Mike Vrabel, Romeo Cornell took over. They were still able to keep Romeo around and just put him in a different role or position and, you know, kind of help the rest of the team um, move forward. Preacher man, and I'm going to say this like a preacher man. <clears throat> we all saw the game on Saturday and Buffalo Bills with their tables broken out all on the floor and grass. And the Bills took care of business. Wow. Yes, yes, indeed. Preacher man said, get Brian Dable. And you know what? I was not necessarily uh, on that train. I don't even think Brian Dable, Houston has reached out to Brian Dable as of right now. But I will say that performance offensively may have been the best offensive performance I've seen out of that Buffalo Bills team. And it's coming to time in the playoffs. And if he can get his hands on a Davis Mills, who I think is a naturally Mm better mechanical quarterback than Josh Allen. He, mm. he needs to get a lot of credit for what he did with Josh Allen, getting to where he was, coming out of school to where he is now, when at times he looks like an MVP, MVP candidate. 
that may be a very good uh, match made in heaven for Davis Mills moving forward in his very young career. But I think the funniest of it all was Sarah McCoy, who's always commenting on YouTube. Shout out to Sarah. She put it plainly simple. No. With that being said, thank you guys for checking out the Monday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. Head over to YouTube, which you guys have been doing a tremendous job of doing. Subscribe, like, and as always, go ahead and comment. You guys see the name. You can follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. Cody. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. John, really quick, I do want to throw this out here. If it's not Brian Flores, and I'm not a big fan of Flores, but I do understand that he is at the top of the Texans list. But if it's not Brian Flores, I'm hoping that they get somebody like a Joe Lombardi, someone that who actually knows how to coach a quarterback because whoever they bring in, that's going to be very important for Davis Mills' development. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.